Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast and the College Esports Quick Take. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking to Bill Dever. He's the Chief Creative Officer at Herena Data. Bill, thanks for joining the show. Uh, hey, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. And by the way, it's Herena Data. The accent's on the A. I should have asked before we started recording. Not a problem. It, it, it's, for, it's highly imaginative. It's... Uh, it's Greek for uh, arena. Ah, oh, very cool. Well, Harina Data is the parent company of GYO. Is it is Geo or is it GYO? Geo, Geo, uh, Eo. Oh, it's all Greek. Eo, Eo, no, that's Korean. Actually, it's Korean for uh, spirit dragon. You uh, lost me. The, the Geo is is the idiom in traditional Korean folklore for a spirit dragon. Uh, and we were giving a nod to the pioneering work done in esports by the Korean uh, players, uh, the Korean developers. And we thought that that was idiomatic of, of the tonality that we wanted to approach the market with. That's really cool. I love when anybody respects the, the origins of esports uh, really began in Korea and has led esports for so long over there. So that's really cool. Did I at least pronounce your name correctly? Uh, I, you're kidding. You know, I'm sending you no. over a cheese. Uh, no, you send it, you did it right. And I'm sending over a cheesecake in, in deep gratitude. <laughs> All right. One out of three, one out of three. It's not my highest success rate, but uh, we'll take it. I, I could it, have the last name Rosinkowski, but uh, you know, you're okay. Well, I once hit Mihail Bliharz correctly, so I'll just hang my cap on that one. Oh, and, uh... my goodness. That's a, that's a Uvula ticker right there, if I ever heard one. Oh, that was a, that was a good one. He was, he was impressed I managed to get that. I had somebody else coach me, but that, that's how I got there. Let's try this again. Bill Dever is the Chief Creative Officer at Harina Data. Harina Data is the pair company of Yeo. Geo? Oh, my Lord. It's an esports data analytics platform that helps players get discovered and esports organizations manage their day-to-day operations. Right now, it's they're heavily focused on the esports combine. It's a virtual event that attempts to solve a problem for college esports, namely that there isn't a widespread high school esports infrastructure to pull players from like there exists in traditional sports. Play Versus is on its way to filling some level of that high school niche, but with new programs appearing all over the country, there really just isn't that clear pipeline into collegiate esports. In addition to plenty of matches between prospective students, the Esports Combine also offers panels with industry leaders, workshops, networking, and feedback on your game for the people who build teams at the college level. Recently, they signed a deal with Super League Gaming to broadcast the Esports Combine Showcase, a chance for high-level recruits to face off in a pressure competition with varsity programs waiting in the wings with scholarships. Through the Combines, over 500 players have been contacted with scholarship offers from college esports programs in a wide variety of titles. The Combine also has a wide variety of college partners, including Louisville, West Virginia University, and Butler University. Esports Network has signed on as the official network partner of the event, and we joined Super League Gaming, the NCSA, and NACE, and Challenge as companies supporting this event. Bill, besides messing up the names, what I miss in regards to the Combine, and what was the idea behind the event? Well, you know, first of all, I'm going to ask you to take a couple of breaths, Mitch, because you're a poor guy. You're giving everyone the Reader's Digest version in very quick form. Uh, the, the idea of the Combine is, uh, I'll tell you where it came from. Uh, Sean Smith, uh, 
who's one of the co-founders, uh, as, as well as Derek Hugh, we were in Vegas and we were doing the keynote address for the bar and nightclub show. And, and one of the things, and this was really Sean's idea, he's quite a brilliant guy. Uh, we were sitting around and said, what do we, what do we do for esports as an event sense within a bar or a nightclub? And Sean came up with the idea, you know, what's really interesting if we were to establish a set of skills, baseline assessment, much like the NFL does a combine, and the esports combine was invented. To that end, we feel that there is a real interesting perspective on recruiting. DO, which is our software platform, is responsible for 500 gamers getting uh, scholarship offers to various post-secondary institutions. I think it's, uh, what's really interesting is, is kind of the market has pushed us to act as an interface between gamers and educational institutions. So very much the concept that Sean had uh, <clears throat> under the perspective of, uh, of the combine is easily applied to a school environment. And it's really amazing how much it's, it's taken off because I, I think people are used to seeing tournaments in esports, but in reality, a combine is you're playing against yourself and you're defining performance, you're defining skill, and you're defining your aspirations within the esports sports world. So it's more of a marathon run than it is a competitive game. Definitely. For people who are unfamiliar with the NFL Combine, that is when uh, all the college students who think they have a chance at the NFL draft gather together in a variety of tests, as Bill mentioned. They're not competing against each other. They're running the 40-yard dash. They're doing bench press, uh, three-code drill, and all these various competitions that try and give scouts sort of a measure of their objective skill set when you take away all the other things like coaching, the system they played in, the conference, the opponents, all that just pure straight up tests. With that in mind, how does that work in an esports environment? Uh, you know, I, I think you take you take a game and you define parameters of skill sets within the game. And during traditional gameplay, we've built software that analyzes certain specifics uh, along the lines of skill sets within a game. And that comes up with a combine score after they finish several days of competition. So it's very much uh, a perception of flow. It's a perception of skills. But we also realize that various games have various skill sets, various levels of aggression, various needs to be a defensive player, to be an offensive player. And our platform raises all that stuff on an ongoing basis. So people can develop and define their own play within the context of traditional games. When you think about sort of how we measure people's skills in esports, it's almost all results-based. And that exists in the same way in traditional sports too. You win, you play great. 
What should people be aware of, especially high school students who want to compete in college esports? What skills in particular do you think they should be focusing more on, maybe more so than just the pure win-loss, okay, I won this game? Are there certain skills that can really help make them stand out from the rest of the crowd? It depends on the game. But at the end of the day, uh, what there really is an opportunity for is the ability to define team building, team sets, and focuses in the specific game that you're being analyzed for. And how do you define players within a certain game? And how do you score those players' roles in a certain game? I think that's really at, at, at the core. That's where the combine comes into play. Because you don't need a superstar in every position. One person may be better at defensive than they are at offensive. And their score does not reflect it. But the skill set being defined by our software is, is very doable and will uh, shine a light on that skill set. And to have a proper team, uh, it's pretty interesting. That makes a lot of sense. I was definitely, you know, as people solo queue, they naturally try to tend towards the characters that are the most fun. If you take maybe Overwatch as an example, there's a lot of people who want to play Genji. There's a lot of people who want to play DPS. Well, playing support may 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 make you a better standout when it comes to college. Every single team is going to need a support. And if you're competing against less, I think of it the same way in traditional sports. Uh, most people don't want to play goalie. Unfortunately, it's just not that much fun. They want to play attack. They want to play midfield, maybe even center back. But if you want to play at the next level, every team needs a goalie. And so there's some level of you have to do what's best for the team. And if you want to take this seriously on the next level, you have to be really honest about where your skill set lies and where you could focus on to make that jump. But what's really interesting about Gyo is a lot of people in today's society have a tough time realizing what, in fact, their skill sets are. What Gyo provides you is a reflection point where you can analyze your play and then you yourself can define your skill sets. And, and, and you know, that's the whole process. What's really interesting where I think that esports mirrors traditional sports is the ability to self-actualize yourself in that context. And that for me is really interesting because we look at esports not only as a competitive situation, but in terms of engagement of kids who have not been engaged by traditional sports or for economic reasons can't be involved in traditional sports. We think that esports or video gaming is a great democratizer. And at the end of the day, it's really an imperative to work with that kid to define themselves under their own objectives towards their own goals. And that self-actualization is so important in esports because it only defines skill, but it also defines self-concept, self-confidence, self-awareness, and self-love. Absolutely. And that's why we've seen so many college esports programs flock to this. It's obviously a very a rapidly growing space and college esports programs have found uh, 
just about across the board that they reach a section of students that was not feeling entirely connected to this school. And once you give students that connecting point that so many of them find through traditional sports and through fandom, esports is providing that for a large section of their university, an ever-growing section of their university. And once that happens, students feel more connected to the university. There are studies out there showing that they perform better in school when they feel more connected to that university. And college esports programs are just on a rapid influx of growth. Speaking of that growth... But it has to be thoughtful growth, okay? The, the issue sure. is a lot of colleges are wondering what to do. But, you know, beyond just the recruitment play, if you take money from a kid and you're going to then you have an obligation to provide them a bona fide and substantive education what you can't do is promote your university around esports and there's no follow-through and there's really no program other than the banners and the manifestations of a program like, for example, we knew one program out of Ohio, and, and this program was offering a million dollars worth of esports scholarships. And we were all excited by that. That's a lot of money. But a year later, the college was out of business. You had all these kids' aspirations dashed on the rocks of financial reality. And they wasted a year of their lives because this educational institution made all these promises. And in reality, what the last lifeline in their minds was putting out an esports program. So it, it, it kind of is shameful because if you're going to take this kind of money for a post-secondary institution, you damn well better offer them a... Uh, an ability to recoup and gain a career out of that expenditure of funds. That is so crucial. That's a sad story. I didn't, I didn't know that that. It was, it was a, it was an Ohio based college and they had all these kids, they hired these coaches, they did all this stuff and it was rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, a million dollars. So you take the kids a year of a kid's life, and flush it because you're not financially honest with them. They knew what was going on. They thought this was going to be a way of putting forward uh, an alternative to save them. That's that's really frustrating. Is that a problem that esports and colleges face? We you know we think about traditional sports and it's these long-standing blue blood colleges. You know the University of Texas, the University of Oklahoma, Duke, Kentucky. Take your pick. In esports, the leading colleges are not really the same high-level, massive schools. My school, the University of Oregon, just opened an esports lounge. And to your point, it's like, are they supporting esports? Kind of. They have an esports lounge. They have an esports team. But does it go much further than that? No, not particularly. They don't have esports scholarships. And quite a few of the leading programs in college esports are much smaller schools, technical schools. Uh, the Northwest Christian University, a university that was enclosed on the University of Oregon campus, had a varsity program well before the University of Oregon had even thought about esports. Is that something that college esports players need to be aware of as they go, where it's like, okay, here's, there's a lot of schools out here, but maybe some of them are on a little bit shakier ground in comparison to what we might expect from the schools that offer scholarships in traditional sports? You know, what, what I always come back to a quote that people totally 
get wrong from Albert Einstein. And what Einstein, everyone likes to quote that Einstein says, creativity is everything. My perspective, because I went and dug and found out what the, the quote really said, is after mastery of discipline, creativity is everything. And the thing is, if you're going into university just to get an esports career, maybe you should do some deeper thinking about this. What you have to go to university is to attach yourself to a series of disciplines and skill sets that you could apply to the business of esports, which will give you the tools to be successful in esports. Just going around and putting up a bunch of courses that say, you know, this is an esports course, that's an esports course. When you do esports, is it more important to know about accounting or some ephemeral course someone whipped up because they wanted to look good in the syllabus? You know, we have a concern that, you know, we need, you know, the best thing we need as an industry is the ability to attach ourselves to academic and competitive integrity. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we've seen quite a few of the esports community with these esports degrees and these esports pathways pop up and quite a bit of the esports community is like, don't take that. You don't need to study esports all the time. What you need to do is maybe get a degree in something else, communications, accounting, business, uh, what have you design, and then you can apply those skills, you know, be a part exactly. of your school's gaming club, apply those skills you learned with an esports focus that makes you stand out. You don't need to be studying esports all day, all the time. They're just, we just don't even have that much to be studying and things change so quickly that a curriculum would be, is pretty tough to, to develop. And, you know, it's something that esports network is actually working on right now. And we're countering these challenges. Like how do you, create a curriculum for something that is constantly changing that still works it still delivers helpful lessons to people as they need it and you know that's something that we've seen a couple i think a couple of universities are being called charlatans in, in the way that they offer these esports courses and it reminds me of that ohio school where you're offering this course but who do you have teaching it because there aren't a lot of people qualified to be teaching uh, as esports professors what are they getting out of it? And is this really something that students should be doing? Or are you just doing this to hopefully attract uh, a bright-eyed 17-year-old to your school? Well, what they are really hoping to do is have someone sign on the line for a student loan and you know, or have their parents put up X amount of money. And I think that at the end of the day, what we have to really uh, think about is building an industry and building an industry is dependent upon the concept of deep discipline and what we should do collectively is we have all these young people who are putting themselves up as esports experts and you know there's a whole education process that they seem to just preclude from themselves uh the the issue is everything requires discipline and it requires thought and it's nice to talk about 
that you're this and that, but it's, it's like anything in high school. You always know that the guy that was talking about the girls was not really, uh, going out with the girls. And there's a lot of arm waving and there's a lot of say, there's a lot of look at me in this industry. And that's the way that we, they do things with all burgeoning industries. But I think it's, it's imperative that as esports evolves, it looks at other traditions and other disciplines and starts focusing on that. I, I think you have to be innovative. You have to realize that esports has a glass ceiling. You know, it's not unlimited. There has to be a discipline tied to it. I think that video gaming, as opposed to esports, to virtual realities have huge potential. I think we are looking at the evolution of, you know, we take a look at what COVID has done to land centers, what's done to aggregated uh, gameplay, what's being done to uh, play on an ongoing basis for, um, you know, for, for college play, for community play. And what we have to say is esports is a desirable activity that has both mental and physical dynamics to it. It has to be classified as a sport. But a lot of the time, this business has gotten into the idea of building the roof before they built the basement. Like we have all these, you know, million dollar tournaments and this, I'm more interested and the combine is more interested and our, my company's more interested in the community of video gaming, the community of video uh, gaming that leads to the development of the discipline of esports. And, and how do we support the natural flow, the natural ecosystem within this business and basically celebrate individual equipment, uh, achievement, celebrate people focusing on, you know, getting better within a discipline and also people looking at how do they do this to establish a sense of self and team play and teamwork and sportsmanship and integrity and in thoughtfulness within our society. I, I think esports and video gaming have all that potential as soon as you attach discipline to it. And that's why community esports are so important, right? Because anybody who's spent time on a rank chat knows that those people are not maybe upholding the highest levels of discipline or uh, of sportsmanship on there. And so having community events where people can compete uh, among other people face to face, if you want, as you mentioned, Land Center said the pandemic has been a really unfortunate reality there. But ultimately, community events, college esports, high school esports are going to help create a much better, wider esports ecosystem than we were going to get with people just yelling at each other over Call of Duty game lobbies. Uh, you know, you're 100% right because, you know, our company calls itself a community activation company. And, and not a tournament company or not an esports company, company, but turn, uh, you know, community activation because coming with community comes taking responsibility for that community to realize your place 
within that community, which uh, which unfort which fortunately can count counter a lot of sociopathic tendencies that we have within our own society, and and that's why we're really intrigued by the reshaping and refocus that esports can have for our society as a whole uh, because sports becomes very expensive so therefore people in certain socioeconomic platforms are uh, left out of it but i think esports whether it's being conformed on a mobile phone or on an xbox or on a piece of an alienware pc the idea of competition teammanship community responsibility and awareness of a collective play is imperative for the individual within our present society. Absolutely. Entirely agree. And I love how you mentioned mobile gaming there. This is going to be, I think esports. Yeah, sports are incredibly expensive. I've played three sports my whole life growing up and it was just astronomical costs once I realized what things started costing. And esports has less of that barrier to entry, but now that we're moving towards mobile phones and we're moving towards even more consoles and increased console technology. And it's no longer a, nece a necessity to have a top level gaming PC to play this. Esports are only becoming more and more accessible. I don't think sports are becoming more accessible or if they can be at all. And so I'm really excited for the rise of mobile technology. We've seen it take off in so many regions that are underdeveloped and become emerging markets. And we're seeing it just uh, level the playing field. We're working with you know, we're working with a fellow called Just Gus Chikamba. Gus is our partner in one of an, another company we're involved in. But Gus is a very inspiring man who comes from Zimbabwe and grew up playing basketball, uh, you know, and soccer with a, a basically a tightly wound series of plastic bags, uh, and now builds basketball courts in rural African communities. There's no internet connectivity, but what there is, is mobile phones. So the ability to build league play and tournament play in second and third world market economies until they evolve, until there's penetration, until there is the financial ability to buy PCs or to buy consoles, it still allows for a foundational placement of a tradition of esports. Absolutely, it's crucial. I know you have to get going here in a second, so I want to give you a chance. Uh, what should people know and be on the lookout for with the esports combine? Uh, if we have a lot of prospective students that listen to the college esports quick take and some current college students, what should people be on the lookout for with the esports combine uh, in the future? I think you're looking at how do we, you know, we of course are based in Indianapolis, which is one of the sporting capitals of America, if not the collegiate sporting capital of America. Headquarters we, of the NCAA for anybody yeah. unfamiliar. And what we're trying to do is find a way to collaborate, to work collectively towards the maturation and development of discipline for esports. We would We are open to partner with anybody. We're open to discuss, and as long as we're working towards the benefit of the collective. We'll welcome you to sit at the table with us. At the same time, we are free enterprises and, and you know, believe that it's important to 
put the discipline of the free market into esports because there's too many, too much cash infusion right now with little return. And, and we want to make sure that we can develop micro economies within esports that could really offset dollars and, and provide substantive financial success for the industry. A again, we're coming back to that idea of discipline. So I, I hope I haven't, you know, dissuaded anybody. We're very excited by the combine. Uh, I think it's really a point of inclusion and collective collaboration. But I also think it's time that we decide that esports is good for a while. Absolutely. We are all here for realism about the esports industry on this podcast. You know, the lofty numbers are all great, but there's a reason that a lot of the great minds in esports that have driven esports for so long have turned their attentions towards community events because that is how esports reaches the next level, not with high level investment dollars thrown at leagues and different teams, not pointing any fingers, except I obviously am. Uh, so that's all for this podcast on the Esports Network podcast. Bill, like we mentioned, Esports Network is a partner of the Esports Combine. I'm sure you're going to be hearing more from Bill. And we have some awesome, uh, exciting things because the Esports Combine really aligns with our mission at Esports Network as well. Bill, thanks so much for joining the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye.